guys hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you. Oh, yeah, totally. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Big Stupid Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm John. And ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. Very special. Very. I mean, I'm very excited for this. I one. am super excited. I I can't even play the, what, what, what are we doing today? <laughs> I can't even play this one because this is like, you know, th- th- this is going to be a fun one. So Yeah, John always pretends like he doesn't know what's going on, but today you can't, you can't hold back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest, uh, Lorenzo Antonucci. Everybody, yes. Um, he's been in he's been in Ballers. He's been in Game of Thrones, and currently he is in Paradise City on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so go check a, it out. So, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, so. Yeah. We got a, we got a lot um, to get to a, a lot that we um, we'd like to talk to you about. So let's let's get into it. Let, why don't you tell us about um, about yourself growing up? I know you are from um, uh, Italian and Puerto Rican family. Uh, yeah. you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about you know growing up in school. Like you were just you know before we started recording, you were telling us about uh, you know how, how it was in school for you a little bit. So let's sure. let's dive dive into that. All right. Well, um, yeah. My name is Lorenzo Antonucci. I'm from Jamaica, Queens. Um, I was Puerto Rican and Italian. My mom was Puerto Rican from uh, Vega Alta, and my father's from Naples. So I'm half and half, and first generation. Queens, New York. Born in East New York, Brooklyn. Raised in Queens. So you know, I'm, I'm a hybrid of all sorts of <laughs> cultures. I'm, I'm 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 a mixed mutt, and I'm very confused of who I am sometimes. You know, one day I'm extremely Puerto Rican and then the next day I'm extremely Italian. Sometimes I'm just a hybrid. But uh <laughs> grew up uh you know listening to hip hop, you know, listening to rock and roll and metal and hardcore and freestyle music, you know, Judy Torres and you know uh TKA and TKA like that. You know, love, baby. Yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> People know about shout out to Gino for making the movie Cruise. He made that movie Cruise. It's all about cruising Franny Lou and and uh, and listening to freestyle with the, the Grand Nationals. You know that's 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 stuff that I did when I was a kid before I started playing guitar and then joining a band and then fast forward touring in the world and getting signed to Electra Records and then you know you know being on tour with Ozzy and you know. Corn and Slayer and Hatebreed and yeah, I mean Marilyn Manson, Disturbed, Killswitch Engage, Shadows Fall, you know, my brother from another mother, Anthony Martini, and and everyone else in E Town. I love them all. E Town Concrete is New Jersey natives. Uh, you know, I know you guys are from Jersey, so I just wanted to shout them out. Um, and um, you know, I I I, I, I you know I just. Man, I'm just from so many different worlds. I come from. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on everything I've done. It's just so such a long journey to get to where I am today. And, and yeah, I was uh, you know, I was a, a street kid, knucklehead in the school. You know, they didn't want to go to school. My father made me uh, go to work at 13. I was uh, lifting cars up in, on a lift and changing brakes and doing oil changes changing, you know, ripping motors out of engines. And that's what I did when I didn't want to go to school because I was a, you know, I was a degenerate. <laughs> I didn't want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and uh, so I never could read <laughs> until I read the Motley Crue book, Dirt. And <laughs> that was a that was a fun moment because I read that on our tour bus, you know, and there was story time with Lorenzo Antonucci, <laughs> and, and the bus driver to laugh at me fucking up every word, and um, you know, and destroying every word and and making up every word. And I'll tell you another story about. What a, another word that I made up that I was reading. And I, I don't care. I, I feel comfortable about you guys to know, you know, who I am exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely am a street kid that didn't go to school. And, 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 and I have dreams that, uh, you know, I have aspirations that just make people head spin. Like, what is this kid out of his mind? And that's the, you know, that's the, the school I grew up in, you know, like, it, well, the mentality I had. But yeah, I did everything... I dreamed about being in a band, you know, except being a millionaire from it, you know, that, was, that didn't happen, but everything else did. So how, how did that, how did that dream come about? What were, what was your, what were your influences? You know, how did you, how did you get into it? Did you, did you have like a knack for it when, you know? Well, I, I played guitar and I was getting lessons from this kid, Pete Ross, good friend of mine at the time. I haven't heard from him in a long time. I, I hope he's good. But um, he was my guitar teacher and he was an influential person in my life because I looked up to his guitar playing and he was the, he was the cool kid in school and in, in, in elementary, in junior high school. So um, not, not, not elementary, junior high school. Um, and he introduced me to Mike Palmer, which was his bass player of another band that they played in together or he just knew him. And he had a band and then his band was corruption with the singer Sal from Swan Enemy, who me and him, you know, obviously turns all the bands that we did from corruption on until we made Swan Enemy. And that's how that started. But we, we, we broke our ass for 10 years until we got signed to a major label. See, I, I wish that I wish that I, when I was in high school, that I knew a, a good musician you know, it's, but I, I just didn't know anybody that was <laughs> musically inclined at all. Well, you knew a musician. You didn't know a good one. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, 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 I he's, he's busting my balls now because, like, I've always played in, like, some sort of, like, band. I was a singer in a band. And then, like, I, I was a bassist in a punk band. You know, right. basically, like, four-chord shit where you just make our own stuff up, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And this guy would hang out with us. You know, try and we gave him like this metal thing to like ping on, and he was like, like he was in the band type <laughs> shit. Band, motherfucker, I'm telling you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm a I mean I'm a big fan of like you know punk hardcore stuff, you know, um, you know the '90s and all. That. I mean, it was just a great time for music and everything like that. And uh, it was the last you know, great time for music. It really was. It really was. <laughs> and. Um, you know, that was like, I feel like that was like the last time like rock was like, you know, any, any type of rock or, or metal or hardcore or punk or anything like that was like relevant. And, and I just feel like today it's just struggling to come back up, you know, and, and a lot of the band, it's just not, you know, even like a Metallica or like you mentioned Ozzy and Slayer, they're still around, but it's not main. It's really not like mainstream, you know, to, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they're not at their peak anymore. You know, they're on they're. Uh, yeah, sorry to say, but they're on their way out. I mean, Ozzy's like what, eighty years old? I mean, oh yeah, not as much Ozzy, but all right. So, well, the I good mean, the good news, the good news to wait to, you know, 
the good news is that Metallica still does 65,000 people a night. You know what I mean? <laughs> and none of these other young, big stars are doing half that, you know, on their own. So that gives hope for a lot of the music that we grew up loving and the iconic rock and metal stuff that we all love because they, 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 it's very hard to, it's very hard to do what Metallica does. It's very hard. Those are very hard numbers and they do them everywhere and they're still bigger than most. I mean, I will say I went, I, I went to the, um, the Revelations uh, reunion show with, uh, I think it was uh, Youth of Today and Into Another. And man, oh boy, it was like a couple of years ago. That show was sick. Yeah, but it, it was, it, today, it was I mean, wild. I mean, it's, it, you know, you to today into another, like you don't, you don't get those shows anymore. You don't, it, it was a reunion show. It was a couple of years ago. It was, it was, I forget where the hell it was. It was in Jersey somewhere. And let me tell you, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was just revelation just put out this, you know, tour. It's like almost like a last chance tour where you're going to have to see it. And I saw, I saw, um, into another second time down in, uh, Asbury park somewhere. And once again, they were just, they were just awesome. You know, I mean, really like fun to watch and everything. Well, the, Re the revelation records always had like, kind of like, you know, victory had the same thing, you know, like people were fans of those bands on victory. So they had like their own fan base, you know, and it was just like, you got signed to victory, you got signed to revelation, you were automatically kind of, you, you automatically had a fan base built in that either, you know, would like you off the top or would gradually like you because they would be forced to see you all the time. So yeah, into another. I've I've never seen you to tell you into into another, and and I I love those bands, but you know, unfortunately, I never played with them either. I mean, even when we would do the big festivals in in Europe, we would never get to play with those bands, or we got to play with the Crow Mags a few times, and I kind we toured with, with AF. We was in Russia with AF. I mean, that's iconic in that and in, in that sense alone. Me and Vinny Stigma was so bombed in some freaking sushi joint. Forget about it. I pulled out. I got dragged out. I, don't even, I haven't had a drink in seven years. We got dragged out, we got dragged out of the bar because I was trying to eat the sushi. was on a bridge in Russia, in Moscow. I fell in the freaking thing because I was so happy. I, I don't remember because the vodka was like water. Oh, like water. And I was like, what? This ain't nothing. Beep, beep. Take it down. Forget it, man. Nothing. I, I, it was the worst, and we had to fly back. Uh, that was that was a great trip, but I don't remember half of it because was, <laughs> it was like two days: St. Petersburg, Moscow, and we were drunk the entire. Everybody was drunk the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Playing that's great. That, that, that's great times, man. That, that's good times. So now, um, so now you started learning from from your friend Pete, and how, how did it go from there? Well, I, I took the lessons and then I started playing a lot of, uh, you know, he got me into hardcore pretty much. He started showing me like, uh, you know, bands like Biohazard. And I mean, I discovered Biohazard on MTV, Headbangers Ball, but um, he, he got me into like Life of Agony. That's who he got me because I remember him listening to um, the, the, the demo they had before River Runs Red. So that's how I started really getting into it. And then Sal, I met Sal and he would introduce me to a lot of bands. He was a little older than me. And then I was in actually a school, which was not really a high school, but I was with school with Freddie Madball. And we were like fourth, I was 14. He was about 15 or 16. And he was, you know, just starting to band Madball. And I was listening in the class. I remember it vividly. I'm sitting on a chair like, like I am here and he's across from me, like right here. 
And I'm listening to Sick of It All about Has and he goes, What are you listening to? And I'm like, Yeah, Sick of It All about Has. And he goes, hey. He took his heads on his headphones off and put it on mine. And he said, This is my band Madball. And I was listening to Colossal wow. Man. Wow, that that's awesome. Yeah, this is iconic shit, you know, like nineteen ninety-one, maybe. I was a kid. I was a kid with braids, you know, like like and, and like one tattoo at fourteen. <laughs> Wow, mad, jeez, yeah. mad, mad balls! I like, oh my god, yeah, that's cra- that, that's a, that's crazy. That's a, that's like a like just right place, right time, shit, you know, where you're yeah. like, you know, oh yeah, this is my band, you know, I'm 15, and and now like and now like you know, I'm, mad I'm balls, like I'm about I, to become a fucking star. <laughs> I know, man, yeah, mad, mad balls, like an iconic hardcore. Band. I mean, they're they're like everybody knows mad ball. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Man. I'm I'm like. So um so now how did how did you how did you form your band and and you, you know or did you go through well, we a few had, of them? We had, yeah we went through we went through the 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 first band was me and Sal and a guy named Richie and Zoli was the drummer and Mike Palmer was the bass player we were called Corruption then that kind of fell apart and then we changed we morphed into Downfall that fell apart and then morphed into Mindset and this was already like three or four years into it. And it was just like, felt like we went nowhere for that long. So the mindset started in 97 or 98. And then that's when Jamie Josta from Hatebreed discovered us. And he started helping us. And because well, Kevin Scandato was our manager. And then Kevin introduced us to Jamie. And then Jamie started managing. I don't know how that ended. I don't know how Jamie ended up managing us. I know that it was a weird moment in time, but... Then Jamie started managing us, and he's like, he was going to put out the record mindset um, on his record label, and we were like uh, all excited about it. And then he was like, there's another mindset in Philly. I don't want a lawsuit. So we had to change the name. Then he changed the name to Swan Enemy. Wow. Changed the name to Swan Enemy, and then we, 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 we did the record, and then we had to change all the artwork. With the artwork that we had on the, the original EP was Mindset, and it was, uh, um, you know, same artwork, same cover, but we just changed it to Swan Enemy and had to just redesign everything, and then we went and off to the races, and then we started touring in 2000. We were, we, we, we were nobody knew who we were. We had a little buzz. Um, Jamie would give out stickers. Jamie would give out uh, samples, you know, at his shows and stuff like that. He would put us on these little weekend warrior shows with Hatebreed or with Death Threat or was the Shadows Fall or maybe Agnostic Front. We would do like a lot of like weekend shows with Madball, things like that, that he would try to get us on. And then we started to grow and then other bands would reach out to us. And then we started our, our community of our friends in the bands. Mm-hmm. Hence, I'm still friends with so many of them, you know, and obviously they're all still brothers, you know, even if we don't talk for 10 years, you know, you, you don't skip a beat when you see them. Um, yeah, it, it it always seems like the underground scene would be more of a, a like a really tight knit group where you help each other out and you try to, you know, really promote it. It's, it's almost like you're promoting each other as well, not just yourself, because like you want everybody you know, to do well, you know, because once again, it's not a mainstream type music, especially with the hardcore. And then you just want basically, you know, you want it to grow. And that's what it is. You're not going to turn your nose up at somebody because like they're doing the same thing you're doing. It's more of a like, like you said, a brotherhood and everything like that, where it's like, oh, it's awesome. 
I mean, I, that that's like that's like really like like oh, it's awesome. <laughs> like it's it's cool. I, I just love the whole scene, the whole underground scene. Yeah. That's what you know. Obviously, we we lived the we lived it for. I lived it for a long time, and so I did about I did twenty years in the hardcore scene. You know, like living it. You know, like from going to shows to you know starting to get my feet wet and you know getting in bands and you know then touring the world and then I you know I still go to shows now but you know not as often but I still you know I still listen to all hardcore when I work out all hardcore bands when I'm running all hardcore bands when I'm in the car I don't listen to much anything else where was where was your uh where was your favorite place to that that you that you went to tour aesthetically or for like the fans I mean everything like like you know when you when you look back and go well that was a that was a time you know I went there that was a time whether whether it was on stage whether it was behind the scenes whether it was you know the night before the concert whatever it was beautiful places man I mean it's so hard to just say one place because Prague is beautiful like the city's beautiful and the shows were great you know um um, Germany is always all awesome. Austria is beautiful. Um, Spain, France, Belgium, Holland, you know, all these places. Poland is just, you know, the people, are, they go crazy for they love you. Go to Russia. It's like you see all these worlds that, you, you know, you had never been to and you're just like mesmerized on the culture. You mesmerize on how long they've been around before we have. And you're just like, you know, it's it's breathtaking, and but you don't get to enjoy as much as you'd like because you you know you're sitting around, and you don't have nobody to take you around, you know, because your bus is parked up and you're either in your bus or in the venue, yeah. and you're backstage, and then you if you don't if there's no way to go walking distance, then you're kind of you know at the at the whim of somebody at the mercy of somebody taking you around, but yeah, all those places are great. Canada's great, you know. There's beautiful places in Canada. I love going to Quebec because Quebec. Um, you know, makes you feel like you're in in Europe, but you're only like 200 miles from New York. So it's kind of weird when you're like 200 miles away and it feels like you're in France. Because everybody's your- French and everybody, and it looks so European yeah. architecturally. What was your favorite place to play in New York? Like in the city? Roseland. Roseland. That was my first concert. I saw Bad Religion there. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, man, that was my first concert. Roseland, um, I love Seabees. I mean, Seabees is always great. Lemoore's Hike, Castle Heights was where we started. That was in Queens. Um, you know, Urban Plaza, Wetlands, Coney Island High was amazing to play. You know, like we had all those great places to play. Um, Lemoore, I already said Lemoore. We never played Webster Hall, I think, but I don't think I was in the band. But I, 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 whatever, I don't remember if I played it or not, but I don't think I was in the band playing Webster Hall, but I know they played after me, one of those um, Super Bowl hardcores. I believe they were on a Super Bowl hardcore. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, it gets blurry. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, were telling, you were telling the, the story about the, the sushi. Um, uh, you got any? You got any? Uh, any other stories like that? Give us, give us another, another. Uh, just, just one story like that. I mean, man, there's too many, man. 
there's too many of I mean, and some of them are probably not even appropriate to talk about. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, too many. The sushi was just a you know, I mean, it was plenty of drunken nights, you know. <laughs> there was bad ones, there was fun ones, there was really awful ones that ended band ended the band. The, the, I'll tell you the one that ended the band. We were all drunk and nobody wanted to get up and drive. And and we had like a 350 mile drive to like somewhere in Arkansas. I don't even remember. And our tour manager was drunk and he was supposed to drive. And it was eight o'clock in the morning. Everybody was hungover and it was 700 degrees in the RV. Oh, Jesus. And it was, it was the end. That's when I quit. I was like, I'm done. I was like, fuck this. I drove the car. I took, I took, I got in the driver's seat, hung over, and I was driving like a madman, throwing everything around in the RV. The whole thing was shaking. <laughs> I you know, for an hour, the I fuck this, fuck that, I quit. I'm done. I never want to see you guys again. And that's it. And that was it. I never, I never looked back. Wow. <laughs> that was the end. Yeah. <laughs> All the drunken nights and touring and all the shit, that was the end. I gave you the the the, the, the last that was the line. It's actually pretty much in the show, Paradise City, you know. And you, and you had to go to Arkansas. That yeah, yeah, it was it was <laughs> <laughs> now, right, so let's talk do you want to talk about Paradise City or wanna what well, else you got? Um, we could we could talk about that now that you uh, now that you mentioned that as a little segue into it. So um so now you are you are the actor, writer, executive producer of uh, Paradise City, correct? Yeah, I'm one of the writers and uh, definitely an executive producer and definitely one of the, you know, reoccurring, or, you know, pretty much the um, season regular, yeah. So how does Paradise City depict an accurate portrayal of the crazy um, and dark Los Angeles music scene? Well, I mean... It's pretty much from all experiences, you know, that uh, a lot of the bands on Sumerian or just stories you've heard throughout the years, you know, in, in the in the industry, whether it's in from the 80s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, label side of the stuff, a lot of the managing side, the agent side, we lived it all. You know, the creator is is definitely a record label owner and he's a he's a he was in a band. He was a manager. He was an agent. He did it all on that side as well. So, you know, it comes from an authentic spot, you know, an authentic place where we all can pretty much really speak from experience and all intertwine it with supernatural because there's no real supernatural, obviously. I mean, maybe there is, but, you know, that's obviously the supernatural uh, fictional element with the fictional bands. So um, how did your experience after being the lead guitarist of Sworn Enemy inspire you to, to write on the show? You know, I mean, just the, the, the normal day shenanigans that would happen on, you know, tour or the business side of, you know, the business side of all the drama that goes on in your life with not being in, able to pay your bills or, you know, uh, some of your friends that blow up and they're big and, you know, like seeing how, the, how it affects them. And, you know, and, you know, a lot of people become ego driven and it's all about them. And, you know, we, we, we kind of really focus that on the Johnny character, how, you know, he's, you know, obviously it's, he's the big shot and he's the reason why everything's a disaster at the same time. You know, or everyone's in these intertwining, you know, 
scenarios. So, so is each band portrayed in the show basically a piece of everything you've experienced? Kind yeah, of sort of. Yeah, I mean, well, over it all is definitely all what I've experienced for sure. That's 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 just everything that you know sprinkled on an elevated version of Swan Enemy because it wasn't that bad. But you know, obviously, that was what was going on when we were on our outs. You know, when things were getting bad. Um, you know, the Relentless is pretty much, you know, uh, just a big band. Could be anybody. Could be Asking. Could be Blackfield Brides. It could be Kill Switch Engage. You know, it's just any of those bigger bands that do 2,000, 2000 cap rooms. Or in in this world of Paradise City, they they're, they're supposed to be, you know, doing thirty thousand people a night. They're the biggest band in the world. But um, that being said, um, you know. I think that there's, you know, a lot of a lot of truth, you know. John and I were talking um, before before we went on that um, the the band that you're in in the in the show is getting older, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and it's like you know about how they're trying to like hold you know trying to hold on to that last bit of you know whatever, yeah. And, it, it's funny because we were we were watching it and I said that the the guy that the guy that in your very your very first scene the guy that you um, are talking to he's got the glasses and the dreads yeah singer from Lamb of God well, Grand yeah Camille told or, or, you know we were we were told that earlier and yeah. I was like wow I was like I, I I totally didn't know it was it was crazy right. but it what I was saying is it it looks like it looks like they just like threw a wig on him. To just like, yeah. you know, like, and I was like, it, like, you could see how he's like, you know, he's just trying to be that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But he and is, I, he is, uh, he, that's his real hair. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, be, I'm not trying to be like, you know, you know, put, I'm putting it down or nothing. It, it just, I, I think they I, I think they <laughs> highlighted it, you know, and the guy, <clears throat> the guy who the guy who fucked you up with with um, how he's like all uh, all he's got the gut and he's bald and, and <laughs> that's awesome, you know. Yeah, like, he's, I, a real, I, he's a real agent. <clears throat> he's a real agent, JJ. He's a real Casiri. He's a real he's a real fucking he's a real agent in the business. Yeah, around that time he was he was he was a uh, he was a DMX's agent right around that time. Oh wow! Yeah, he was like doing his last <clears throat> last tours. Yeah, he, he, so we kept it as authentic as possible. But you know, the, the that opening shot is something that's very very authentic to a morning waking up and you're in the middle of whatever parking lot and you're just like getting bad news or good news. Yeah, it was. It was perfect. It, like I, I, like, and the and the guy's like, I fucking do it. It's not my fault. Like, he's <laughs> like, I'm the I'm, I'm the was the I'm, I'm you guys the are on the poster, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you guys are out there, not me. Yeah, exactly. I, I so yeah, I, I I really I really did. I I loved loved that scene. Um, I, wait, hold hold on. I I, th I think one like one of the funniest things about the band that you're in in the in the show is that like it just seems like you just keep making mistakes 
You know, mm-hmm. like when when you play the one show, you're like, no, we're the headliners. No, or or I think it was the singer that said, no, we're the headliners. You go to the concession stand and you're like, no, we're the headliners. Yeah, and yeah. then everybody's gone, and the kid's like, "Yeah, watch this. Yeah, watch these yeah, assholes." Yeah, yeah. You know, and then and then you're playing that 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 one restaurant or whatever the hell it was. It was like, I was like, these fucking guys, like, like it's almost like you can't get like you can't get it, break. You could tell you were like a big band, and then it's like you just can't catch a break now at, at the very end of the at the at the rope. I'm five episodes deep. I mean, I was I was like. I was I was like binging the hell out of it today, and like I was like I was I'm like all in with this show because I absolutely I absolutely love it. You know what I mean? It, it's a it's a great show. Thank you. But that's uh, the that's the reality of uh, most of the bands, you know, and the delusion of the artists in the band how they <laughs> they act. They still think that they're and they, and they don't even see that nobody's coming. It's fucked up. Oh, it's <laughs> you know. I mean, we got different takes of that. I didn't, I, I, you know, I I felt like that take of me saying it to Cameron was like, don't worry, we'll headline. Like we had different versions. I don't know why Ash wanted to keep that version because, you know, I, I was, I was becoming his friend, you know, like we started connecting and, and, and in the story he's supposed to connect, but you know, it did show Paulie being a little bit of an asshole there when we already see that he's mad at, Dom for you know saying oh we're gonna headline and I'm and I'm just like yeah he's the lead. Yeah, it is what it is I just want a burger you know I, I didn't I I I I think that we could have went with a different choice there was a different edit we had a different I think there was different takes of me saying something that kind of ended it without me being more of a the one we will headline tonight you know that was but I guess you know I still had to back the band up maybe a little bit too and and I had to back my singer up and I was you know conflicted maybe maybe that's the choice he made that but you know now that i'm reflecting on it i'm thinking about it. i don't even know why i'm thinking about it but, at the but end of the day. yeah but i'm thinking that was the moment where you saw that the singer's fucking up basically like yeah. like you saw that like after nobody was there for the show i mean that after like then you became a little more confrontational with the singer saying yo what are you doing you know especially at the one restaurant you know at the uh the, the whatever the, whatever that place was you know, uh, you know, you were gonna fight the guy. You wanted to fight him. Everybody's holding you back and everything like that. So, you know, you're starting to see that this guy is, you know, it, it, like once again, you said something about the ego, and and it's it's like, it, it's 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 a lot of that probably does happen in bands. You know, a million percent. It's all because you know everybody just has a dream. You know, and nobody wants to see themselves. You know, not doing well. It's brutal to see, you know, other people doing well and you're doing shitty. It sucks. It sucks after so hard, you know, so so much hard work put into it and years of doing it in places that you would go play that you would crush it in, and then now you go back there and it's like nobody cares and then everybody cares about the other band. And you're just like, what the, what's happening? It's a real thing with all bands. I don't care who you are. You know, I mean, it ain't happening to Metallica or Slipknot, but, you know, or any of the bigger bands, but it's happened to big bands. I've seen it from i've seen it with slayer i've seen it with slayer playing during slipknot and the entire place was chanting slipknot during slayer you know, oh my slayer. god i, I can't yeah. even imagine that I, ca- I can't even imagine that well that's I, like that's like that's like motley crew playing a county fair in the middle of ohio or nowhere you know what i mean that's like that's like wrestlemania <laughs> when the rock faced hogan and 
everybody's chanting Hogan and The Rock was fucking shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, Hogan and The Rock, it's a, that's a very, you know, especially that time, you know, Hogan was the biggest ever, then The Rock became the biggest ever. So it was kind of like you had to pay the respects to the Hogan, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I was there, I would have been chanting for Hogan. Oh, I was cha- I was at home chanting for Hogan. Even though I love The Rock like tremendously, he's like you know, obviously worked with him, and he's a sweet man. He's a good man, you know. He's he's a good you know like, and I've I've been on the phone with Hulk Hogan before too, so that's cool. But you know, if I was a kid still, if I was you know fifteen or seventeen at around the time that that was going down, or maybe eighteen, whatever it was, I would have been all about Hogan, you oh, know. Yeah. Because he was still like your childhood hero, is now passing the torch to the the Rock, who and then the Rock. Nobody's done anything like the Rock. Yeah, nobody's done an impact like that from wrestling. You know, nobody's done anything like Sylvester Stallone ever. Nobody's ever done anything like Sylvester Stallone, but nobody's done anything from wrestling like the Rock. That's my two. You know, those are the two guys that have guys a model. Of their way, I want to go. So you you play the character of Paulie. Tell us more about that character and what inspired you to create him. Paulie is one of my best friends that passed away um, in 2018, and he was the drummer in Swan Enemy for six years. And he was a dear friend before he was the drummer, and he was a dear friend and brother after. He was even more of a closer brother to me after he was in a band after he left and he passed away and I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, do a tribute to him and kind of, he was a drummer. So my, my character was a guitar player. So I just kind of made it a hybrid of myself and Paulie, but kind of had his mannerisms and, you know, his positive attitude. Cause I was sometimes negative on tour because I was always hung over and, and, you know, I was always, you know, kind of like dealing with all the bills and stuff like that and dealing with all the stress that, you know, other band members weren't and, you know, they didn't understand. So I was always kind of cranky and grumpy, but he was a positive guy. So I wanted to be the positive dude in the show as far as it being a band, because it's brutal is, you know, when you got all the bills on your head and it's all on your name and you're going in debt or whatever it is, it's, it's not, it's not a fun feeling when you see, not that your band doesn't care, but it's just, you know, that's the reality of what it was, you know, and I was, uh, you know, I had moments that I was very cranky. So, you know, I wanted to kind of mesh them together and do a like tribute to his positive ways. It's it's like you you should have, you know, you know, uh, if you're if you're a creative person, whether you're in a band or whether you're an actor or whatever, all that kind of stuff feels like it should be taken care of by by somebody else. But I guess, you know, because because of the nature of, of, of your, you know, your, your business and, 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 and what you do, it, you know, th- there isn't that, there isn't that person, you know, it's you, you know, yeah. you're the, you're the one creating, you're the one, you're the one building your own brand and, and whatever, you know? So it's that kind of, that kind of, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, but that kind of, right. that kind of comes out in Cameron Boyce's character where he's the one, he's the lead singer. He's the producer. He's setting up the shows. He's doing all those things, you know. So is that is that sort of a reflection of what you were doing as a uh, you know 
Well, that was a good um, – the Cameron Boyce and Lorenzo dyna- – I mean, Paulie dynamic was, was pretty much me and the creator's dynamic in real life. But, in like, obviously the age difference was way different. And um, oh, yeah. he was in a band – The Ash was in a band called The, F- the Reflux. And they were, you know, a real band that toured, you know, Europe. And they'd done some Darkest Hour tours. And, you know, they were, they were out there making moves. And then he was the band leader that would get them shows and was booking other bands and was, was, was their booking agent. And, you know, he was promoting shows and putting them on the shows and he, he kind of is that guy, but, and then he became, then he left the band and then started his own agency. And then he became Swan Enemies agent in real life. So we kind of just made a hybrid of Karen Boyce's character and Paulie's character to be what Ash, how and Ash, and Lorenzo met in real life too. So that was, it's different, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's pretty much, you know, ba- that world is based on me and him, like that specific storyline, Cameron and, 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 uh, and Simon and Paulie is based on him and I 1000%. How did, how did you get involved with this project? Yeah, we, he, he had a pilot for a while that he wrote, and uh, it was called When the Music's Over. And um, it didn't, we didn't, we, we, we all were excited to do something with it years ago and it didn't go anywhere. And we just kind of got, fell in love with the business. And then he made the movie America Satan that I'm a producer on. And he, uh, and then he decided to continue the band from the movie America Satan. That's, you know, just a band and the manager and the girlfriend continue that world into paradise city and then we where he was he wrote the pilot and he was like yo you know let's go do this together and then we just we just worked on it for three years until it came out two months ago (laughs) (laughs) now i i had read something about um you know now that now that unfortunately cameron boyce has passed away that his, char- his character is supposed to is supposed to go on you know hopefully i'm not spoiling anything but it was it was in the article well yeah but I mean, his, his character is supposed to go on for like there's like a plan for like six for like five six years right well i mean his he was like the main engine of the show you know he was the heartbeat of the show, you know, and you know he's the underdog <laughs> that you're rooting for you know not rooting for Johnny's, you know, Johnny's, I mean, he's kind of has the, the, the moments where you're rooting for him because he's, but he's just like, has it all and is just kind of selfish. So it's, it's, it, but you know, you do have, you know, some hope for him because he cares for his girl and he tries to fix that. And while he's hiding that he has a baby mama and he has a baby in the show. I mean, you know, that's the, the shit that happens. Right. But yeah, we all, we all have that. Yeah. We all have baby <laughs> <laughs> But but you know what's funny? I felt like I felt like his character, like I like originally my first impression was like I wanted to hate him. But I'm like, he's not a bad guy. He really wasn't a bad guy. That's what I'm saying. So, you don't you can't root for it's hard to root for him, but it's hard to hate him at the same time because he's just conflicted with a lot of the everyday life people deal with in this world. You know what I mean? I mean, I, in, in the rock world, you know what I mean? Like as you're a singer, you're a star, you're a good looking guy, and you got all these, you know. People throwing themselves at you, and you you got your childhood girlfriend that you love, and you want to do that the right thing, but you're just caught up. It just 
it, it, my father says it best. It's hard to be handsome. When you're handsome, you're always in trouble. So I just, I told, I, I, I said that we have to mention tonight that you're, you're fucking sexy. I'm just saying. Thank you, you no. sexy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Cameron, yeah, yeah well, you, to answer your question, he would, he would have to be, you know, and you know, obviously with a heavy heart, recasted, you know, and and um, figure out how to make the the person that that replaces his beautiful work, you know, you know, do it justice. You know, you know, when, when, when the, you know, was gearing up for season two, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no a thousand percent green light on that yet, but you know, he, he, he is a, a major, major influence in the show. So it was, it's, it's kind of crazy that that's the last thing that you ever seen Cameron do. It's, you know, he's not in anything else. I don't think that's coming out. I think that's the last thing you know that, that anybody, any of his fans can go and watch. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's he was a uh, he was an amazing, you know, actor, you know, yeah. for, you know. He, I mean, he didn't have m- much time, but what he did with it while while he was there, yeah. you know, from from uh, from Jesse all the way through the Descendants to this. I mean, he was he was, and he was a great kid. He was from, great. From guy. everything I from everything I've heard, um, I, I, I'm forgetting her name, but the one who played Jesse, like she always she always talked that that behind the scenes like it was always her her and him like goofing around and like you know that she was like close to and, and everything and yeah he he seemed he seemed like he was awesome yeah he 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 was very he was just a sweet guy to everybody on set nobody was you know everybody was equal and then and, and uh he was very kind and happy and you know never always professional never had any you know like uh drama never any like demands of i don't want i want this i want that never anything man was just like a straight shooter was happy to be there and loved his character and loved everybody on set so he was you know fun to work with now john and i were talking before um we were going through the cast of the show and we were just like holy shit like everybody that you guys got to work on this show it's like how did you line them all up like they were they're i mean from from the, him to to Dre the, 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 the first person i saw and i was like wait a minute how did you get like you had the lead guitarist for alice cooper you you had uh, uh nita stratus and i'm yeah, like yeah. i'm like whoa i'm like all right that's number one and then i'm watching and then you had i mean obviously bella thorne and then you had, you know, Ryan Hurst, and you had, you had, um, there was a ball, you know, Jim Ross, Jim Ross, you know, from, from, I, I was like, I was like, and it kept going and going. I'm like, how did you pull this cast together? Just relationships, and we called it the casting couch. We just cast it from the couch while we were writing. It was a insane time while we were just, you know, sending out emails with offers, and, and some of them we were friends with, some of them we became friends with after, but, you know, we, we pieced it together. Jim Ross was in our first movie that we did together. So we brought him back, um, you know, Nita. Um, so originally the guy that was going to play Jay was going to be Rick, um, was going to be Rick Flair. 
And then I said, let's let's get Nita because she was our guitar player on our label. And then I was like, why don't we get Nita to be Ric Flair's daughter? Because Nita is so supported by the WWE. If you have them two together, that's a that there's marketing power with that. And you got Ric Flair playing this crazy dad that's trying to get his daughter to be a rock star. And she's, you know, the guitar player. So I said, we, we got to make her the daughter. And then it turned, and then then, it, then whatever happened, it turned into Val Wolf, and then she became the guy Jay because Rick Flair couldn't do it. He got he got he was ill, and he couldn't he couldn't film that week, so it just threw a wrench into everything. And then we had to actually re, re, we had to recast the original guy it was based on the guy that used to run the place in Springfield, Virginia, called Jax. So Jay Nedry. We 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 recasted him and he did a good job. You know, he's never acted before. We're just like, yo, we're gonna bring the real deal to it. Yeah. And and Nita never acted. So we just, you know, we just wanted to cross-pollinate a lot of the artists from the label and yeah. Um yeah, and you got like you got Drea Drea De Mateo from uh from the Sopranos on there too. Yeah. Um I'm try I'm trying to think of who oh she's she's the best. She's she's like she's like a sister to me. I mean I, I like there's we're both from Queens. She's forget it. She's the best. And I, I don't know. Is, does this guy play the manager of of um um the guy with the with the crazy hair and the oh, Mark Boone Jr. from Sons of Anarchy? And yeah. Man, oh, that. Oh, that's what he was from originally. That's right. Because yeah. I because yeah. I was I was talking to John. I'm like, that's the dude from the Mandalorian. Yeah. Bill Burr's episode. I'm like, that's the yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good man. Love Mark Winger. Ryan Hurst is great. Uh, Reese from uh, he played Billy Walsh on uh, Entourage. You got uh, um, Natalie Eve Marie. She's back on the WWE. I think she was on Monday Night Raw two weeks ago. Um, Feruza, um, Brittany Ferland. She's married to Tommy Lee. Um, we got um, we got me. <laughs> we got Sid from Slipknot, you know, the DJ from Slipknot. Um, we got Javier from Animals as Leaders. We got a lot of great people. I mean, you know, I may be forgetting some, but it's just, you know, Perry Reeves from Entourage. We got Perry Reeves, you know, she was awesome. Um, you know, um, the, um, we, we, going back to what we were talking about before when, when you had, we had said about the character, like John said, oh, I wanted to hate him in the beginning, but, but, you know, you, you, you really can't and i feel like i feel like a lot of the characters in this show you know they're not bad people you know they they might they might seem that way or or, or you know for you know for um for a for a, a time or a, or a scene or whatever but but the, but deep down they're really not and mm -hmm. feruza feruza's character you know she seems like she seems like a shitty person, but she's also trying to be the, like the best, like to figure out what's the best for my daughter. You know what? Yeah, well, she's conflicted because they're broke. They live in a, in, in a shitty part of Vegas and she got and her stupid daughter wanted to be a groupie and got knocked up. And, <laughs> and now she's, and now she's got to like, you know, figure out how to get her daughter to, to, you know, like how are they going to pay for the granddaughter? I mean, I don't think that, anything is malicious coming from us. She's just like trying to look out for her blood. I mean, she yeah. may seem like she's cold, but she's just looking out for her grandkid and she does a great job for her. She's very demeaning and fucking just like evil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. I like how you said, you know, Vegas, like 
the shitty part. And when you do like from scene to scene, when you do like the white captions, yeah, like you actually did Vegas the shitty part. And I was, I was <laughs> dying when I saw it. I'm like, yeah. I was like, that sounds awesome. I that was that was the editors. Oh, that was so cool, man. That was so funny. I forgot who were the editors that added that text. I know it was funny when we all saw it. We're like, we got to keep that because everybody loved it. Oh, oh we loved it. Yeah. So we've had we've had a few um, wrestling references in in this uh, this interview. So let's talk about your wrestling background. Um. Well, originally I came to LA to wrestle to to try to get a tryout for the WWE. Um, and my uncle was Jose Estrada. He was a, a very big Puerto Rican wrestler and he was in the WWF and he put over, um, the warrior in Madison Square Garden. Really? When I gave him a shot. Yep. thousand percent. And, um, when he was, was he the, the guy that only lasted warrior. seconds while the, while the warriors music was still playing, he already, he already, uh, pinned him. I think so. I think so. <laughs> But he, he was definitely he definitely was the guy that put him over. But I think he was more respected than just getting pinned that fast. But yeah, yeah. he because he, he was well known. He was like he he was he was wrestling Rocky, uh, uh, Maria, Rocky Johnson, all of the Rock's family. Because the Rock, when I did the ballers, he he when Rob Weiss was like, "Yo, tell him who your uncle is." <laughs> he was like, "Who's your uncle?" I said, "Jose Estrada." He goes, "The wrestler." <laughs> Look, he was like, "What?" He was like, "Yo, that's crazy." And then we just little, little, little back and forth talk about that. And I told him that I wrestled with Rikishi and his cousin. You know, that's his family. So, and then he was like, "Oh," and I said, "Ooh," because that's the Samoan brother. You know, word for brother. And uh, yeah, I, I loved wrestling. I was athletic and big enough, but it wasn't something that I was in love with to 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 go and risk snapping my fucking neck. You know, bottom line, I didn't. I I wasn't that in love with it. But I wanted to keep doing it and you know i fell on my neck and i got spooked and i was 36 or 37 at the time i was like what am i doing i was uh i got i got real spooked and i was like i'm good you know it's it's so funny i mean you know nothing uh, comparing to you but i'm on a 35 and over softball league (laughs) and i don't slide (laughs) because I'm like I'm nearly 45 years old. I got a I got a wife and kids. I got a fucking a house. I got a job. I can't break a friggin' blow out a knee or or whatever. So I'm like I'm just gonna run. And if you if I barrel into you, it, it's I got more of a chance than than if I'm sliding and break yeah. my leg. <laughs> I love softball, man. I love playing softball. I used to, you saying you play softball, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, love, I used to love being a first baseman. That was my, that was my shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm fucking awful, but um, <laughs> but I still do. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so um, uh, yeah. So where, where, where is the, the series is available on um on Amazon? Amazon Prime. It's available on Plex. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Fandango, and Microsoft has got a streaming app now like that I'm not aware of, but they do. 
Um, and I think we're going to do something with um, Roku soon. And Peacock or Pluto should be coming out. With, I'm, I'm not a thousand percent sure. Those are, those are questions that our distributor knows more than me of the time and dates of when we're, all this is dropping. But there are, there are like tiers of when these things are coming out. Do you uh, do you have any any um, speculation on uh, on season two or? <sighs> Only time will tell, man. Everybody wants season two, that's for sure. I, I'm telling you, all the fans do. Um, all the all the you know the crew. You know, shout out to the crew. You know, I want to give a shout out to them. The crew from the PAs to the grips, the electrics. The gripping electric, you know, the 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 gaffers, everybody who's, a, you know, the people that are driving the cars, the people that are picking up garbage, everybody that's doing the, doing the job that they don't really want to be doing. And they're there and they're just as exhausted as everybody else and they want to go home. It's cold or it's hot and they're tired and they're wearing a mask now and they're just fucking burnt out. Day 14, day 26. Shout out to them first. Because without them, you ain't going to get your movie made either or your show made. And, uh, you know, they don't reap the benefits of being on the poster or having their name as a credit. And they don't reap any of those benefits except credits all the way in the back of the, you know, at the end of the scroll. So I just want to shout them out because those people are really, you know, in background, background big time. You know, you want all those big concert scenes to make it look good. You need a lot of background. Yeah. It's uh and, and those people are the ones that you know are still there, hoping to get discovered, hoping to find something, hoping to, you know, I've been there. I know what it's like, and it's 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 a shitty feeling, when when you you feel like nobody cares. So shout out to those guys. So so what what one one other thing about the show? Hold on, let me let me just say. I, All right, I got the fact that you just said that, man. Really, really impresses me, man, because nobody, not enough people you know, give, give the proper credit to, to the people that are behind the scenes, you know, busting their ass like that and, and doing all that yeah. stuff for, so for you to, for you to really like single them out and stuff, I, I just think that's awesome. Well, the, 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 the bottom line is that they, they are, they're there before you, they're there before the talent, they're there, they're, 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 most of them are there before anybody else because, you know, they got to load in, they got to do all the shit that nobody wants to do. And, you know, they're there before, after you leave because they got to do the shit that nobody wants to do is pack up and get out and move on to the next location. So their days are 17 hours, but when you are 14 or 12 hours and you get to reap all the benefits as the big shot, you know, me, 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 mine, mine, mine. You know, at the end of the day, those people are, are there working for way less and they're, and they're, and they're, and they're hungry, even though everybody who's, on the other side of the spectrum deserve what they got because they worked for that. But what I mean by, you know, shouting them out is because they don't get the shout out. Everybody says cast and crew, but you know, that's the easier way to say it. I want to just really dive into who is the cast and crew, the crew that, you know, you know, of course the DPs get a lot of love and that's, you know, like you ain't going to get a great picture without a great DP and a great AD and a great, you know, production designer and a great wardrobe and a great director, great script. You need all those elements. But the people that are on the floor and they're grinding, you know, 
you know, picking up the garbage or, 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 or feeding you your food while they're standing by crafties and they're cold. Yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah, that's so, what I want to shout stuff out. Stuff that know? needs to be the stuff that needs to be done at the very last second, like, oh shit, this needs to blah blah blah. And they just go and, and start doing it. That's why it's like the PAs and the, the, the second seconds and the, you know the the people that are in the in the offices, the line producers, the the the, the people that are you know production uh, managers, like all those people that really facilitate the mechanical parts of making a film or making a television show. They don't get the benefits of being the creator, the executive producer, the writer, the, the actor, the star. They don't get none of that. Although they're probably aiming for it, or maybe they don't care to have that. But what I want people to realize is that I notice what they do, and that's who I gravitate towards. That's who I hang out with is the PAs and, and the people that are, you know, you know, kind of like, you know, man, I'm happy to be here, but damn, I wish I was doing what you were doing, you know, because I've been there and I know what the fuck it feels like. John, you were saying? Yeah, so so I am noticing, like I said, I'm five episodes deep, and I'm noticing, and I didn't see the prior American Satan thing. Um, so I'm noticing there seems to be a little more to it than it's just a band, or there's some other stuff going on that hasn't really been revealed yet. Like, like is there is there more to the show than what we're seeing right now? Because, like, you know, the one person kind of, like, disappeared out of nowhere and you're starting to see the cab driver was the uber driver you know it's kind of like well, she's capricorn she's pretty much supposed to be the devil right okay and, and gabriel who's hobson a great rapper hobson he's he's gabriel so that's supposed to be one of the, uh, god's angels and that's just pretty much good and evil influencing them to do good or bad or just being in there and and, and kind of being like philosophical to you know Gabriel's very poetic and trying to be inspired, you know, like trying to be very philosophical and, you know, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And those in that aspect. And then you got Capricorn who's, you know, really some kind of evil witch, even though you feel like Feruza's character is the witch. <laughs> right. Capricorn's really the witch. See paradise city, garden of Eden, paradise Lost, <laughs> city of angels. Come on, John. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I, I just want to know before I, before I start watching more. So I'm yeah, totally going to watch everything I can, you know, because I, I, I absolutely love it. I really Thank do. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I hear people, I, I love hearing people love it and talk about it great and talk about it greatly because everybody broke their ass. Shout out to, again, to the 300 people that broke their ass on that, <laughs> on that one. 400 people. I got to be honest. It was like 400 people probably because it was 100 cast members alone. Now, what, what was the what was the name of the of the original of the original movie? movie it's called American Satan. I think it's on Showtime still. I was just going to say, where can that be found? Because I, I definitely, definitely want to go back and, and start iTunes, from the beginning. iTunes, uh, Google Play. It's on Amazon. It's on all the you know on all the you know platforms, but um, it was on Showtime for like two years. I'm not sure if we renewed the deal or not, but um, you know it's 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 out there. It's a fun you know rock and roll metal movie. You know, very well, similar to. It's a little darker than Paradise City. It's a lot darker, mm -hmm. but uh, you know. So I asked you about the you know if there's going to be a season two or whatever like that, but I mean you guys should should have no problem 
you know, getting a getting a season two when you're the number one drama and series on iTunes and you're trending through all like Voodoo and YouTube and iTunes and Amazon. Oh, Voodoo, that's another place that it's on. Voodoo, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah, it was number one TV series. Yeah. On iTunes, number one TV series on, on Fandango, number one TV series on Amazon when it was transactional. So meaning when, it, when you can buy the season or buy an episode per episode, purchase it was number one and we were we were on top of all those monster shows which was kind of for like a couple of days which was which was really a great feeling but we don't know what that means as far as numbers because you know i don't know how many people are buying those monster shows but those monster shows have 30 million fans so you know 20 million fans you know and yes. at the end of the day it could have meant great stuff or we don't we, we just haven't found out what it, how good it means but it's, if it's a good feeling to be on number one on all those platforms for a couple of days straight so um where where can people follow you like on social media and stuff uh, for instagram my handle is lorenzo antonucci so l-o-r-e-n-z-o-a-n-t-o-n-u-c-c-i-j-r for junior so lorenzo antonucci junior you can follow me on instagram for that on, on Twitter, it's real Antonucci, um, and then Facebook's just Lorenzo Antonucci. And what's next for you? What do you What do you got coming up? Oh my God, what am, what is next? I'm doing so much right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just finished a movie. Do it all, man. I want to know everything. Yeah, I just I finished. I want to know where to find you. White Elephant with uh, Michael Rooker, Bruce Willis, and Olga Kirilenko and uh, John Malkovich. Um, I just finished a movie called Reactor with Bruce Willis and Matthew Marsden and uh, Patrick Muldoon. Um, I just shot another movie. I ain't naming the name, which with Travolta. I, I'm not going to confuse anybody because it's, it's it's with Travolta in, in Hawaii, and I'm not confused. I'm just you know I'm going back there tomorrow. <laughs> I'm leaving in the morning. Wow. To back to I Hawaii. saw the I saw the picture of you on the on Instagram because yeah, yeah. now I stalk you. Yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I uh, I saw the picture of you with, with Travolta on. Uh, hey, he's a Jersey guy, just like you guys. Yeah, where's yeah, yeah. he from in Jersey? Huh? Him and Bruce are from Jersey. Yeah, Jim and Bruce. Yeah, first movie they've done since Pulp Fiction. That's all I could oh, say. That's I can, right. You sure. can find it. You can find it, but I'm not saying it on here because it's just too confusing for, for for anybody else. You know, if you, if you understand what I'm saying, then you know why I'm not saying the name of it because it's just too confusing. You'll, you'll Google and you'll be like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> um, you, you mentioned, the, you mentioned the, the movie that you're doing with Michael Rooker. Um, I, Fantastic. He's I, saw the, I saw the, the picture of you shooting the, at the range with him. Dude, he was showing me how to shoot. And then I, got, I hit like five targets or six targets in a row after he really properly showed me how to shoot a nine. Really? It was a, yeah. It was, it was a, and then I shot a 45. Yeah, it was cool. It was, he's such a sweet man. I can't wait to work with him again. I'm supposed to be working with him again this year. It feels like uh, God damn lots it. in the pipe. A movie called The Free Fall. That's with um, uh, Sean Ashmore and Andrea Lando. Produced by my brother, Shawnee DeMont. And um, one of the executive producers is um, um, Sean Reddick from Get Out and Black Klansman. That should be coming out fourth quarter around the Halloween time, hopefully. Um, I shot a movie the, called The Way. Um, it's pretty much Dead Man Walking meets uh, Million Dollar Baby. I played Tyson in that. 
it's pretty dark and deep. Um, um, what else? I shot two pilots, a pilot called uh, it's a Mob Series with Tom Sizemore called Scarlet. Um, it's a TV pilot, Scarlet, and uh, with uh, with Tom Sizemore, Michael Starr, you know, a couple of great legends, Mike Mike um, Pare um, I'm always calling it I, Pare Mike Par, Michael Pare Pare. He's from Eddie and the Cruises, man. He's awesome. Oh, dude, Michael, man, Michael Pare. Oh, man, Michael Pare. He's amazing. I'm so, I'm so, he'd he'd kick me in the ass if I if I. <laughs> you know, he's great. I love. We we hit it off. He's a Brooklyn guy, so we hit it off big time. Yeah, Michael Pare. I call him Pare, but you know, I'm, you know, like I said, I didn't go to school, so it is what it is. Nobody's <laughs> gonna kick my ass for that, right? Um, what was it like hanging with Sizemore? Oh, he's incredible. As an actor, he must have. He must have. Some, he must have some fucking character. Oh my god, I really, I can't even. I mean, this guy was just fabulous as an actor. I mean, he, I mean, to, to walk you through what happened that day is a story in itself, and I don't think I can tell it yet. But you know, <laughs> the next wow. one, he just he just seems like he just seems like a guy. I don't know how he became this way, but he just seems like a guy that doesn't give a fuck. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I don't know him well enough. He does because he turns it on like that, and uh, he just delivers such a fucking fabulous performance. I mean, it was really I play his son, in the in the pilot, nice. so that will be, you know, hopefully picked up. And then me and Gino Caffarelli and Carmine, um, we, we we did a pilot. It's uh, kind of like uh, it's called right now. It's called Hit Your Mark. It's kind of about um, you know, the industry. And it's kind of like, what would happen if Vincent Chase from Entourage, before he was a star, how he got to where he is. It's kind of like, a, it's not a prequel, but it kind of is a, what, what would happen from a guy from Queens, really, because we're really from Queens. Yeah. And Gino's from Queens. And Gino's on all over the Godfather of the Harlem right now. And Gino Caffarelli, he's killing it. Um, and it's, uh, you know, he, he plays uh, Pete, Pete Solano and I play Nick Benelli and I'm always the, the the big shot guy that's always booking everything and he's fucking suffering and he's, and he comes to, he comes to the audition, he sees me and he's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's that, it's that humor. It's kind of like yeah. Curb meets Entourage. So, and, and, but just, you know, Queens, it's, we shot it in Queens and in LA. So what are you going to do when, when all these pilots get picked up I don't fucking know. And and, and we have a second season of fucking uh, Paradise City coming on. Well, yeah, well, Cracker is gonna get made too right now. Kev, um, Vira, uh, Vera with, with the platform. They're another name that I'm having trouble remember. Vera is a platform they're putting out the the, the short that I did, Cracker, uh -huh. and it's gonna be it, it it's a little mini theatrical, and they they're doing. Uh, a great amount of marketing right now. And it's kind of wild that that's going to start happening in the next two weeks. And I'm, I kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a outside the box thinking character of mine, but it's a great performance and people that see it are just like blown away. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different, it's a different animal. And um, that is going to be a series. And that's what the director and writer has been really gearing up for. And I'm an EP on it. And I've been championing this thing since day one. I helped, you know, find the financing. My cousin put in money, and my one of my best friends from back home they put in the money. Actually, 
you know, uh, um, um, Anthony from E-Town. He's, a, he's, he's one of our, you know, partners and investors. And that's, you know, Anthony is a freaking legend in Jersey. <laughs> um, and uh, he, 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 he's our partner in it. And, you know, and we shall see how, uh, you know, how it all turns out. But it looks like it's got really great momentum more than ever right now. So that if that turns into a series, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll be shooting that. I'm the lead in that one. <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 the guy that I play opposite just won a SAG award. He just won the best uh, supporting actor, uh, Hakeem Kakazem. Kakazem. He's I love Hakeem. I'm, I'm screwing up his last name. He's gonna punch me in the mouth too. <laughs> Kakazem. Hakeem. I love you, Hakeem. That's my man. And he's he's a great. He's gonna get a fucking Oscar. He's so good. He delayed. He just won a SAG. Award, you know how the SAG awards are. You know those are real awards. You know what I mean? He just won best supporting yeah. actor. I'm so happy for him. He deserves it. He's gonna get an Oscar next, and I hope that I'm I'm opposite him when he wins that one. <laughs> um, and that's coming. Um, just dropped a a, a comic book uh, series. We we, uh, we dropped a press release. It's called Night of Cat Night of the Cadillacs. That's gonna drop in October. Um, on um, on Stout, that's the distributor. Um, you know, that's going to be our publisher. It's our publisher, distributor, either one of them. Um, and we're going to turn that into a monster. I mean, these characters are just, you know, it's pretty much the Warriors meets Lost Boys. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The character. Yeah, go look at uh, just oh, look, up, uh, look up Night of <laughs> the Cadillacs. I'm going to be Googling the shit out of you tonight. <laughs> yeah. So look up Night of the Cadillacs on, um, on, um, and just look up Hollywood Reporter and then that'll, that article will pop up and you can read what, what, the, what it is. You know, I could, um, you know, uh, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be, that's our baby right there. And that's another one that Shawnee DeMont did. And me and him go back to, you know, he was, a, he was in a punk band. He was a bass player in a punk band. We go back 21 years, man. So, He's, you know, he broke his ass on getting that one done. And that's going to be a sick comic. I mean, that's, we got two comics coming out, volume one and two. Um, um, what else is in the pipe? I mean, I'm, I'm going to shoot this movie now and then I'm shooting like four back to back after. Yeah. Is there, is there anything, is there anything that you haven't done that you want to do? Um... I never been in a private jet. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. I've never been on a, on a private sounds, jet. I mean, sounds like it's coming. Sounds like yeah, it's sounds coming like it's soon. coming. It's coming very soon. Don't worry about it. My, it's coming. My dear friend, brother, he owns one, but I've never been on his jet. Uh, talk, talk to Travolta. I mean, he has two. <laughs> he has a fucking tarmac in his backyard. I mean, it's fucking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, what I would love to do is I would love to you know, one day have a kid that my father sees, you know, and he has a little Lorenzo grandson. That's one of my dreams. You know, it's got to be positioned right for me. It's got to be the right timing. And he's 89. And I hope for his 90th birthday, I can do something big and all my friends can help me do it for his 90th, which will be in April. Those are the things that I haven't been able to do is something big for him and show him my appreciation. Um, definitely would love to be in a private jet one day. Um, maybe take your dad yeah, on a private well, jet well that's the that's that's what i to do it out here i would only fly him on a private jet i wouldn't do i wouldn't do commercial because he's too fragile and old yeah. and he's you know the virus i mean he's vaxxed and everything but I, I take him into teterboro 
Peter Burrow. Peter Burrow, yeah. Um, I would uh I would love to do a studio movie. I'm you know, I would love to be opposite the greats, you know. Can't wait to do a movie with Stallone. Can't wait to do a movie with The Rock, even though I did a TV show with him. Um, I can't wait to do a movie with Denzel, Viola Davis. You know, those are the dreams. You know, those are my, those are my, those are the aspirations. You know, like those are my favorites. DiCaprio, I would be more honored to be in a movie with the, the greats: De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, Stallone, obviously. But I have a relationship with him, so that's that. I think that's going to end up happening. Um, you nice. know, uh, I would love to. You know. Um, find a cure for cystic fibrosis. You know, my niece has it, you know, my niece has it. And that's what my sworn enemy movie is about, cystic fibrosis. And that would be, you know, awesome if I was able to do something like that, but this is just dreaming high, how to figure that out. Cause that's a, they have a short life expectancy. So it's sad for people who are born with it, but it's growing gradually every decade. It turns into another 10 years. So that's a good sign of, you know, length of time. Um, I would love to, I don't know, I would love to come out on, 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 like when all the acting stuff is on top of the world and, you know, I'm going where I'm going and I'm headed there and I'm going to get there and I'm not stopping until the day I die. I want to be on WWE Monday Night Raw <laughs> with big bosses and, and start and, and jump into like a Royal Rumble and just be the guy that, you know, everyone puts over. For some fun reason, you know, like that's another aspiration of mine. That's and cool. where I'm going is to be, I want to like, if there was ever a hate breed, Mad Bull and Lamb of God tour or something like that, I would love to be on that tour with them and be a reason that it's actually that much more cooler to be at there and play guitar for each of the bands every night, be, you know, play two, three songs for each band and be on the tour and drink a lot of non-alcoholic beers. <laughs> for that, just for that run. Remember it this time. Yeah, exactly. Well, non-alcoholic beers. Well, I haven't had a drink in over seven years, so I wouldn't be wow. bummed. You know. Nice. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of dreams. I have a lot of dreams. Yeah, I could keep going, brother. Believe me, I would love a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, what else am I gonna do? I mean, I, I'm fighting for my life over here to have everything I want and then be able to give it to everybody I love. You know. That's uh, what else are you gonna do with it? You know, everyone I know that that is wealthy, they they bless their friends and family. You know, the right way. You know, you don't just give shit away, but you know, you do it the right way. So I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to eat anything I want and not get fat. Uh, you, and, you and me both. That's <laughs> fat, man. That's the toughest shit, thing, man. man. That's the toughest thing. I want to eat fucking rice and beans and spaghetti and meatballs and bread and pasta z all this shit every day. Some cannolis, some fucking some lean bear and all this Puerto Rican shit that I love, and and and, and not let it affect my waistline. That's the number one thing I would love. Yeah. Eat it all and not gain a pound. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, but you're stuck with boiled chicken and uh, broccoli and shit. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm stuck with uh, eating healthy, but uh, you know, actually, Sunday I did have eight slices of pizza and a box Ooh, of rice That's an entire pie. Yeah. <laughs> if, I did the, if I did the math correctly, <laughs> yeah, eight slices. 
that's a whole pot. I had I had eight slices in one corner Sicilian. So that's oh, nice. I haven't had Sicilian in a long time. I, oh, I, I love Sicilian. Oh my god! I, I you know what? Like, I try not to eat too much, but when I like if if I go somewhere, I'll get one Sicilian, one regular. You know right. what I mean? We'll do that every once in a while. We're like, hey, let's stop here and get something. And just, so we stop there and uh, roll up. Once a silly, yeah, once a silly and one regular, and then you're good to go. You know? I like three. I go for yeah, I, 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 like, I like eight. I'll tell you, yeah, I like I eight. eight. But, but shit, I, man, I, the same thing. You got to watch your waistline, man. The waistline doesn't like – doesn't like. I don't like the way the waistline looks on camera. That's for sure. <laughs> that's when I start getting really depressed. After all the hard work, you look like shit on camera. It's not fun. Oh shit! I so can. That's that's the hard part, and I can get fast. I can get fat fast, and at the end of the day, if I had to gain weight for a roll, I'd be great. Be like Stallone and Copland. Copland. Yeah, I remember. I, I actually reading an interview, uh, an interview with him where he said he didn't realize the weight he had put on, and he didn't realize how it affected him and like his surroundings mm -hmm. until he turned around and bumped into something that he didn't realize was there yep. that like normally being, being a svelte type of guy, he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have hit that, you know, 10 years ago, you know, five, you know, or even months before he started gaining the weight for that. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I, like, I, yeah, welcome I to my world. Sly. I, I, so that role that I play in, in, um, in the, the reactor with Bruce Willis in the first one that I was telling you about, I play a cop and my name is uh, Officer uh, Miles Bledsoe, right? And I have this like, you know, stupid mustache and yeah. um, I, oh. I, I play a redneck, you know, like a, like a, you know, redneck cop, you know? And I am, I'm a little heavier, right? And I've said to myself, I want to be Fred from, you know, Copland. I wanted to have the slow, you know, uh, you know, slurry, mm -hmm. you know, like I, like, but I, I didn't play that I had a deaf, you know, any kind of, but I did want it to be a little bit like, you know, slow and laxative and, you know, I kind of, I, 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 I didn't mimic the role. I'm just saying I kind of channeled a little bit of what Sly did for, for uh, Copland, but it's a, I'm, I, I think I'm in four or five scenes. So, you know, it's not, it's not that big, but you'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. I, that mustache is famous though, right? Mine? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, they framed it for me. They girl, <laughs> oh, <it's just> <laughs> in, in Georgia, they made me cry. They made the, 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 the brush. I mean, they made the, it's in my, my place. <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's on top of my fridge it's a, the, the 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 mustache and they all they all said sweet things on it it's a be beautiful people that enjoy it. Shout, out <laughs> Fitz, yo. shout out to everybody in fitz fitz family i love them people well lorenzo it's it sounds like you got a lot of shit going on things are going well for you I, and i hope it just keeps getting better and better and 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 Thank one you. day you know, maybe you'll get your Oscar. You won't be on the opposite end of, of whoever's uh, whoever's getting it, but you'll get yours. But I mean, because you never know, right? I mean, those are some real big ambitions, but hey, I'll be happy just to get a studio film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And be a working actor and have, you know, have everything. But, I, you know, I definitely have aspirations to have it all. 
because why else not? Nobody else is not dreaming of whoever got it. Didn't sit there and say, Oh, I just want to, I just want to work. I'm good. No, <laughs> no. Got it. they wanted it and they got it. That's how they yep. got it. They didn't 100%. get it. For long. They worked their ass off and they knew what they wanted and they had a goal and they just didn't stop until they reached a goal. And that's the way 50 said it best get rich or die trying. You know, but it's not even about getting rich, it's getting successful or die trying. Yeah. You know, so that's uh, all right. Well, Lorenzo, like, again, thank you so much for taking the time and, and being on, on our show. Like, it was, yeah, it, was awesome. it was everything I knew it was going to be. Yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, absolutely we're great show. About great it. show. We're like, we're so excited about this, this show. Um, and you know, we're, we're super happy that you were here and, and we really appreciate your time and, um, thank you very much. Lorenzo Antonucci. Appreciate having me on guys. Thanks Camille. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. And I hope to meet you guys someday soon. And well, alcoholic beer. Anytime, anytime you want to come back, you know, you're, you're, you're definitely welcome to come back. Season two comes out, come, come on back. You know, any of those shows. When they hit, come on back. When the movies come out, come on back. Uh, you know we we want to we want to promote. You know because you because you're you're awesome. So thank you, thank you. you, know, you and, like, awesome. and like I said, the thing that you said before really really impressed me about your character that that you're you're willing to to go and and you know pinpoint each one of the when you say crew, you know you're not just talking about the you know people. You know the, the the big people behind the scene. You're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm talking about the people that are in the, the little guys. The little on their shoulders, really. Yeah, they're not, they're not happy being there. I mean, they are happy being there because they know they want to elevate, but it's not an easy job, man. Yeah. And they get you know, and 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 they get treated like by certain people. They get treated like you're lucky to be here, and it sucks to see that. And that's what I never want to be there. Everyone is equal to me on 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 any set. No. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here at the Big Super Podcast. Um, if you want to take a look for us, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. It is Big Super Podcast. And on Twitter, it is Big Stupid Podcast. But once again, on Twitter, there is no, no I in, in stupid. <laughs> Um, you want to give us a call? Our our big stupid hotline is two zero one three three eight zero zero nine eight. See, I remembered that shit. Hey, you didn't think I would? So I, I was I was looking I was looking for my notepad. And I couldn't fucking find this. I, I don't need no notepad. I got it. I all can't here. remember that shit, man. All right, all right, guys. Once again, that's gonna do it for us. Lorenzo Antonucci, thank you very much. Yes. Hey, thank you, thank you for having me. Sean, you got anything else you want to say? Hey, have fun, everybody. Have fun. You've been listening to the Big Stupid Podcast, presented in part by Anchor. Interested in becoming a podcaster like us? Anchor has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place for free. Check out anchor.fm today. Our theme music is licensed from BKFM Music Production through Audio Jungle. Visit audiojungle.com for all your royalty-free music and sound needs. Further promotional considerations provided by Powerbar. Guests of the Big Stupid Podcast received no compensation for their time. 
crime, opinions, or any half-baked theories. If you think you can handle being part of the show, visit our social media sites and message us. Or email John and Kevin at BigStupidPodcast at gmail.com. Not good enough for you? Okay, Mr. Big Boy Pants, you can call 201-338-0098 and leave us a message. And maybe we'll play it back on our next episode. Participants waive all rights to anything resembling coherence and or common sense. The Big Stupid Podcast is a production of Party Boss Productions Unlimited. No portion of this podcast will be repodcasted or otherwise transmitted in whole or part without the expressed written consent of Jen. It's on you to figure out which one. Good luck and have fun.